The Bite Goes On is up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. This week on the podcast, we're talking to master storyteller Shannon Kaysen about a life-changing road trip, Detroit-style pizza, and the worst place to get restaurant recommendations. I went to a strip club in Kansas City. I asked the stripper, I said, where, where can I get some good barbecue? She said, uh... All right, Shannon, there's she your said, first... Go to this place. <laughs> there's your first mistake, asking strippers for barbecue recommendations. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my good friend, Sondra Bernstein. Sondra, been a weird week. It's good to see your uh, face. <laughs> I think or- orange might be the new blue. What? <laughs> I didn't even know what that means. But well, I, I no, there there's a TV show, Orange is the New Black. Oh, oh yeah. right. I'm joking, uh, Orange is the New Blue, Blue Sky, Orange Sky. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was up in um up in Downeyville at the beginning of the week and I had blue skies. And so it was a sort of a rude awakening coming home yesterday, driving home. I had seen people's Instagram pictures and so I sort of knew what to expect. Right. But you didn't really realize it until I was getting closer to Vacaville and it just got darker and darker and, and it, you know, people have their headlights on and, and it was very strange. And, you know, all the Instagram accounts are all about, um, you know, the science fiction apocalyptic movies yeah. um, and all the um, similarities between between the sky and all these funny movies. But it's it's been an interesting week and I'm, and I'm happy that we have Lydia Kindhart on today because... My mom, has, my mom has been a, uh, a huge fan and supporter of hers for a long time. And uh, my mom lives in Novato. For those of you that don't live in the area, she, she lives about a half an hour south of me. And when she, she comes up once a week to visit, and when she comes up, she always stops at Lydia's and gets food. So I am a beneficiary uh, <laughs> of that trip because I get to try everything. She stores everything in our refrigerator while she's here, and then she takes home whatever's left. <laughs> when she leaves. So, well, and I, actually, when we had Brian's mom on the show, she brought a bunch of your food, and we got to taste it. So we definitely tasted it. It was oh, the no. first time I have had it. it was, yeah, there were some things I really, really liked. Yeah, there's some definite trends that have happened in our house. The dehydrated jackfruit was a big thing for a while. The the coconut yogurt is huge. Um, I'm a big fan. The doll. Uh, but anyway, let's let's we, we <laughs> yeah, can talk you're about. Yeah, getting ahead uh, of ourselves. <laughs> can, can I do a, just a really brief bio and I'll kind of set the table for for Lydia? Yeah, it's your show. Okay, so it's uh, you know we're with Lydia Kindhart. She was um, born in Paris, France. And Lydia spent, she spent much of her youth exploring a holistic lifestyle of yoga, herbs, and vegetarianism. And she developed a strong sense of compassion towards others at an early age. And in the spirit of empathy with people who were starving, she went on a six-day fast at just 13 years old in order to experience what it really felt like to be hungry. As an avid reader, Lydia began seeking answers to many questions. Books like Garden of Eden, as well as ones by Anne Wigmore and Arnold Errett, changed her life and inspired her to experiment. 
At age 15, Lydia moved to Petaluma, California and found herself amidst a community of like-minded individuals. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you, first of all, how, what were you doing in Paris? And obviously mostly related to your parents and what they were doing. Well, my father was American and um, he loved Europe and he got a scholarship and spent a lot of time in, in Europe and met my mom who was French. And um, they eventually moved to New York and uh, had my brother there, but they came back to France and had me, and I've never lived in the States until I was 15. And uh, my father was an educator for the United Nations, and we had people from worldwide come through our homes and social workers and really great people from all different races, all walks of life, and also they were they were beatniks, you know, they lived in Greenwichville, Illich in New York. So I was exposed to artists and jazz musicians and, educators and diplomats so it was a really well-rounded exposure and being in the middle of europe paris you're also exposed to a lot mm -hmm. so it broadened my mind and uh, one of my best friends adult friends a colleague of my dad she was from yugoslavia and she was a social worker and she we would talk a lot and she really inspired me uh, by who she was and the work she was doing of really feeling the woes of the world and what people are going through and that that really made me aware of a lot of things and uh yeah well, yeah that kind of was the beginning of a journey and i just always love feeding people like we you go to parties i would pass around food i would make <laughs> chocolate mousse or fruit salad those were my two things <laughs> when i was a kid and i just love feeding people and passing platters around you know and i'd make mandalas of tangerines and i'd, I'd fix them when they get you know, to you know, make a new flower. I don't know. It's just something I've always loved to do. You know. I think Sandra and I are with you. I mean, that's the reason we do what we do is we love yeah. entertaining people and love providing, um, you know, love, which is what I find really interesting about a lot of your ingredients to your things. One of the ingredients is is always love. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. <clears throat> well, you know, well, well when, let's say a sweater is made, you know, by machinery in China or whatever, mm -hmm. and then you get a sweater made from your grandma. It has a totally different feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's love. When you put your heart in something, it gets passed on and you feel it, you know, and I tell the staff in the kitchen, I said, you know, your hands are connected to your heart. And all this food that you're touching by hand, it's going and feeding so many people and they feel your heart, you know? And it's, I really believe that. Yeah. I and do too. I always tell people they ask for a recipe and I'm like, you know, it's just not going to taste the same. You know, when we make it, we make it with a lot of love. And unless you have the same love intensity that we have, it's going to taste different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it too. Well, and Sandra and I did a show one time with a, with a baker who was on the United States baking team. And we learned something really interesting about using flour, water, uh, salt, and yeast, that people would be given the same four ingredients in these competitions. <laughs> and it was amazing how it could taste different from different people. And we found out that there was actually just a baguette, just a, a, just baguette. a, a simple yeah. baguette. And it had to do with the, a lot of times with microbes or the microorganisms on your hands that would just interact with the chemicals in different ways so that oh, it would wow. taste different. We thought that was really interesting. And I think, you know, 
you've got the you have the love uh, microorganisms on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know: Is um, your last name was that your last name, or did you rename yourself? It's my daughter's father's name. Okay, kind heart. Yeah, it's spelled H A R T. His is spelled H A R T, but I wanted to be same but different. <laughs> uh huh. I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a you know, it's a good inspiration, and I believe in in energy of whatever we participate in, and so having that name is creates part of my energetic field, if you will. Mm -hmm. and affects me so it's it's good <laughs> well what happens if you're not in a good mood or like if you're uh, <laughs> you have to change your name <laughs> well you know it's a reminder right it's yes. a reminder it's like a it's like a compass mm -hmm. you know? keeps you in check yeah that's awesome. that's right you know sandra you know how we have the hashtag sonoma strong with everything that's been going on over the last mm -hmm. four years Right, right now, mine is hashtag Sonoma's tired. <laughs> we, 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 we've yeah. been strong for four years. <laughs> we're just right now, we're a little tired. <laughs> well, that's where, you know, even though social distancing, COVID and all that, how can we connect? How can we support each other? It's mm -hmm. not about what we can't do. It's what can we do, you know, that's going to uplift ourselves because we, if we don't uplift ourselves, how are we going to uplift others, you know? And it's a little thing, like this little girl and father came in yesterday in the store and, you know, you could feel the heaviness and mm. just interacting with them and her, you know, and she had a little butterfly shirt and just mm. making a few little comments and about gardening and flowers, how it's important. I gave her a little thing and, you know, and then she was talking and smiling and her mm. dad was smiling. And it's the little things, you know, that count in life that, often we forget and how can we touch people's lives? How can we uplift, you know? And, and that goes a long ways, it really does. Yeah, it helps me to have a 12 year old daughter because she reminds <laughs> me on a daily basis, you know, and she's very much like that. She's very positive. So it's, it's, a, good, it's a good mirror to look into for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, children are, are definitely, uh, I think closer to the source and all, all bogged down with the things that we've accumulated through life. And their reminders how how sweet and loving life can be, you know. Yeah. So now, Lydia, how do you go from Paris to pe to Petaluma? Because that's sort of a strange transition. I mean, hit the I city with a P. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know. So my father died when I was fifteen, and uh, when I was at Paris. And we had just visited my American family the prior year and made connections with my cousins in California. They were actually in Larkspur in Marin County and they moved to Paluma and had some land there. <clears throat> and they said, come, you know, uh, I, we were gonna move to uh, California to the States anyway. My father was getting close to retiring. I was gonna go to university. My brother was already in California and, they, and we needed a change of life. So they said, come. And so we ended up in Petaluma. Now this was 40 years ago. I did not like Petaluma at all, coming from <laughs> a very cultured, wide, open mind. And um, so we stayed there for a while. I did one semester of Petaluma and we got out and we ended up in Mill Valley mm -hmm. where, you know, a lot of people were vegetarians and, you know, there was a different shift of consciousness and health and harmony festival. So it was really a good place for me. And I hadn't been back to Petaluma until I, my facility was just like 
blowing up at the seams in Fairfax, looking for a larger place and ended up back to Paluma, the same exit I used to take. And I hadn't been back since. Really. Wow. So it was like, huh, interesting. And my mom passed away two years ago, like a couple blocks away where we had landed. So it was just kind of an interesting cycle, you know? Were you a vegetarian uh, in Paris? No, I was not. I had a couple girlfriends that mm -hmm. were vegetarian and they were American and they just started opening my mind and I got a hold of some yoga books and I started reading just like, you know, about different ways of life thinking uh, and it just kind of started something. My, my gr French grandfather was a master gardener. Mm. And so grew a lot of food and they had a boulangerie patisserie before I was born. So they were definitely foodies and my grandmother would make little tartelettes when they're big yeah. gathering and just like, you know, great food and we'd harvest the potatoes and go collect things. And mm. it was a really sweet memory. I love my French grandparents very mm. much. We were very close. So is, I think it really to me. Is Master Gardener, is that like a, is that just you calling a, him a Master no, Gardener or is that a term? It's a thing. It's a real thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is a term and I don't know if I'm using it correctly, but he would, you know, he took care of his trees and his gardens and he had like flowers. He would develop different flowers and fruits and, you know, name like this special flower after my grandmother. And mm -hmm. it was like his, his huge love. And it's interesting now, um, I, I live in Hawaii, and I uh, started a business there. I'm visiting here for a little bit, but I, I prune fruit trees, and I take care of some farms, and that's my, more of my focus. And for a while, it was gardens and stuff, but now I'm really into the trees. Uh, right and, now? Uh, hmm? Not now. Then. Yeah, now. Yeah. Are you in Hawaii now? Well, I'm, I'm here in Petaluma right now. I came back for about a month, and okay. I'm there are some things, and I'm going back. Got it. Yeah. And what, what island are you on? On the big island. You're on the big island. Beautiful. And what area? On Puna side, on the wild side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. And so you have a store there as well? No. I, I'm outdoors. I work outdoors all day. I take care of trees. Okay. Wow. And so who's running the store while you're... There. Well, I am remotely and I have the most amazing staff I've had ever in 25 years. I have the sweetest group of people and my kitchen manager has been with me for 22 years. And I have a great couple that run the office and then I have um, somebody else uh, who supports me remotely and he's like my right hand guy, Eric. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're a great team and we have the things that we do and like when <laughs> I Oh, <laughs> is someone dropping off a package at your house? I think, I think, I think she must be getting a delivery. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the, you know, the office handles certain things and when there's an odd thing that comes up and then, you know, I Eric and I support it or Eric and I are working on new things and my kitchen has a problem with some things and I'm a troubleshooter long distance and remotely these days you with technology, you can do a lot, you know. So. Well, what was your, what, uh, what was your first experience with Hawaii? Um, uh, 25 years, 26 years ago, something like that. 
went there. I just always wanted to go to Hawaii and my daughter and I, we saved, well, I saved some money and we went there. She was like three years old and, you know, I just loved Hawaii. And then I went back when she was about um, six, seven and we lived there off and on for years. And uh, I come back for this during the summer and do festivals and events. And, and then, uh, yeah, I got more ground in California with a more brick and mortar business. And that kind of kept me in California. Yeah, I don't know if my mom has told you. We we always used to vacation in Hawaii. And then w when I had an opportunity to move, I, I took it and moved to Maui for a while. Okay. And yeah. absolutely love Hawaii. And right now, there's actually a big discussion amongst our entire family about um, where we would move right now because we're, we're looking, you know, it's been challenging here in Northern California and, and Hawaii seems to be the one place that we can all agree upon. Wow. That's interesting news. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can still podcast from Hawaii to Sonoma. Of yeah. course. And you can come visit. Everyone loves to come Ooh. visit when you, when you live in Hawaii, people love coming and visiting. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different lifestyle. I mean, it's a little bit more laid back or maybe a lot more laid back, depending on what you're doing. I haven't been back there in, God, 20 years, maybe longer. Yeah. Wow. It's no, maybe 30. Yeah, wow. It's changed a lot, obviously, tourism mm -hmm. and all that, contemporary yeah. in places, but there's some pristine places, and I ride my bike everywhere. I mean, in seven months I was there, I've only, I only went to stores six times. <laughs> I live off the land. I ride my bicycle everywhere. I'm hardly ever in a car. It's, uh, I literally like live off the land, you know? And did you have, like, you must have like, um, a community of people there. Yeah. I mean, did you just go to visit and then you loved it where you were? How did you get there? Well, I got hired at a retreat center that I had been hired before, and I, there were three months of different retreats, so I was uh, doing that for three months, and then COVID hit, mm. and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay here for a while, you know, <laughs> California, and I stayed, and opportunities happened, and friendships, and connections, and then I moved in with a family on their land. Uh, three driveways down and uh, we love each other and they have a little baby and I take care of their land and I get to live there and it's an exchange and make more friends and oh you prune trees and we you know it's like because it's kind of a niche it's like there's we live remotely so it's like arborist companies that are very expensive or people mm -hmm. that aren't accountable know what they're doing don't show up on time yeah. and you know and I <laughs> I know pruning and I show up I'm, and so I have a kind of a niche in that area and it's, I'm outside, I'm physical all day and I just love it, you know? So I- The food system, you know? Yeah, well, I wanna ask you a question. Maybe you can help me. So I like gave in to my wanting of a fiddle leaf fig tree. Mm -hmm. You know what that, you know, you must know. I don't know a fiddle leaf. Uh, but I, I don't know that particular. Yeah, it's not really a fig tree, but it's like this very trendy, but beautiful, huge leaves. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're Yeah. Talking. So, I mean, what happens is like at some point the leaves turn brown and they just fall off or they start getting really ugly. And I've like keep reading and reading and it's like, okay, too much water, not enough water. 
um, you know, maybe not enough humidity. And it's like, I feel horrible right now because I feel like I'm like murdering these beautiful, what were very beautiful plants. Are you, are you doing some uh, mulching and uh, building uh, microorganisms? No. Should I be doing that? So this is essential for, I think, humanity and, and life and the soil and water, key things for life, right? We need Ooh. to build our soil and preserve the water. When you mulch, mulching is putting like dry matter and you can put layers of compost in there and stuff of wood chips, grass clippings. And when I see cans of the compost, the green cans being hauled off, it always hurts my heart because... The plants made the food and the leaves to grow, and they drop to feed themselves. It's, it's to, uh, you know, nutrition like a forest has a, like a mushy floor, you know, because it's all the leaves and debris that have broken down, and it's a whole microorganism web of the mycelium, uh, the white stuff that connects the trees, and uh, the whole forest has this web. And there's actually a whole web in the universe, in our gut and everything. We are mycelium. We live in a huge mycelium web. And so when you build that in the soil, it also releases nutrients slowly and water slowly. So it'll build water like a sponge and it releases slower as you need it. And during the heat, so if you build like a thick layer during the spring and winter and when it's absorbing moisture and building the microorganisms and moisture, then it releases slowly during the summer in the dry parts. And it's really important to have like a nice big area around the tree, um, you know, like pretty much as far as its canopy goes, you can build mm -hmm. the soil all under there. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, you can get free wood chips and just collect the clippings and leaves and just put it around there and built mm -hmm. in. And you can throw in some fresh compost underneath to layer it. Okay. Really I mean, do I want to get, so these are in pots. Oh, they're in pots. Yeah, these are in pots. So when, when I do that, would I like go close to the roots, like shake yeah. off the dirt and kind so of. Do you want to, do you want to take, do you want to put them in the ground? I no. mean, no, you don't. No, they're inside. Oh, they're inside. Mm -hmm. We might have seen the, what the problem is, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that they're inside. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I needed some living things inside yeah. other than my yeah, dogs right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's, if you, I don't know what to tell you, you know, you could also, you might need to change the size of pot. But okay. um, soil needs to be alive, and often we buy sterile soil, mm -hmm. so it's it has the nutrients and all that, but it doesn't have the life force. It's it's like raw foods and cooked foods. Mm -hmm. You know, cooked foods has nutrients and stuff, but raw foods has the enzymes, the life force that when you cook, you destroy the life force. So I always tell people, when you eat cooked foods, have even if it's a stick of celery, a salads something that's raw to bring the enzymes or else it depletes your own source of enzymes to process itself. Right. So it's the same thing with soil. It needs to have activity and something alive. So you need to have some 
basically some decaying matter so the bugs can be in there. I know you live inside and you're like, ooh, bugs, but if they- Oh, I don't care about bugs. Okay, (laughs) but you know, there's there's been a war on bugs and without bugs, we're, we're toast. Yeah, and we need yeah. to we need to build the soil, build the environment for bugs, and create ecosystems wherever we are. So, you can actually buy live soil. Ooh. You know, um, you could put the leaves around on the top. Uh, you can uh, buy like brews of like uh, um, mycelium brews or teas that are enzymatic and pour, and that's or like also uh, worm castings. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so Our things. Our farmers do that at um, our farm. I mean, we have a farm. It's not even an acre right now. We used to have three and a half acres, and we have a farmer. I'm, I definitely have a brown thumb. Um, I'm really good with succulents and cactus generally, but um, they do. They <laughs> Everybody's use... <laughs> good with succulents and cactus, Sandra. Well, that's okay. But they use a tea in the farm that we compost everything from the restaurant, okay. and it um, we they do make a tea from it, and mm-hmm. some the the plants get huge, and you can tell they're so healthy and happy. Yeah. So it's the same concept with plants, you know, and us. So there's, there's this comp- concepts that humans are separate from the earth. Well, what are we made of? You know, mm-hmm. minerals and bones and 95% running out of water. Right? Yeah. So we're are totally, we're mother earth incarnate, you know, which I think is really important to remember because if we don't look at us as separate, but unified, and I think there's a big reality check happening right now with the environment and all the, the things going on because humans thought they could just do whatever they want and basically have no repercussions. Well, there's major repercussions and it's coming in everybody's face at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So th- t- this is an opportunity. What do we do that with that? It's a tool to look at our lives. Mm-hmm. How are we living? What can we do? So take care of plants, take care of our own gut, you know, and mm-hmm. our system, like build life, you know, how can we build life? And if you, um, if you Google like air purifying plants, indoor plants, mm-hmm. this is really important. You can have plants in your place uh, that will freshen the air, clean the air for you. It's like the Amazon, like a lot of those plants are actually come from the jungle. I, I walk around in the jungle in Hawaii, like, oh, there's, you know, my mom's favorite hot plants. The air <laughs> well, that's why the, the Amazon is called the lungs of the planet, right? It's so critical to our Earth's air. So you can do the same thing in a small uh, space, you know, in your apartment, in your house. Get some plants that clean the air, plant some trees, build the soil, you know, and and build our own soil. And that's, you know, it's interesting. I'm in like a new chapter of my life right now. I've been serving food to people for 25 years and really been focusing on that. And now I'm really focusing on the health of trees and gardens. And, you know, I've just been here a few weeks and I helped a, a, a young girlfriend. She's never planted a garden and showed her things and how to build the soil and you know and it's so so important it was a little garden but it's you know and we put made a water altar too and took mm. things that meant something to us and you know water actually 
holds memory. You know, people are like, oh yeah, whatever. Well, it's scientifically proven. If you look at crystals, you know, they carry memory and they, they're transmitters, right? For radios and computers and all this stuff. So uh, crystals like condensed water and water has different forms and, you know, it carries itself through rivers and, and then it sits in pipes. So then it starts losing its memory and actually gets confused. And you can charge water in copper, actually. Mm -hmm. Recharges. I've noticed that on your website that you sell copper cups mm -hmm. and uh, refillable water bottles. So yeah. tell, me, tell me why is that? It actually, it's a, you know, so everything's electric. We're electrical beings, right? You mm -hmm. know, you, in the old time when we had those radios and stuff and electricity, you'd walk close and, you know, and like we are electrical beings and we're water inside. And when we, uh, like when my daughter would wake up in the morning, morning, I would give her a cup of water and say, turn on your electricity because we dry out at night. And then when we bring in water, we're making all this conducting all the currents, right? Water is a conductor. So it's affected by electromagnetics. Copper gives a certain charge to the water and it's like wakes it up and it actually, it's antibacterial, it kills bacteria. Wow. And yeah, and it, um, it bring it, it's like it brings it back to more of its original state. It, it triggers it to like remember who it is. So when we drink that, because it connects with our own water, it charges us. And it's bringing wow. back our own memory of who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, who are we? My gosh, we're, you know, <laughs> we are part of earth and life and the cycles and nature. And, you know, if we can wake up that part of ourselves where we can connect and help the earth, help each other. I mean, we could do so much. There's a thin veil, you know, in this, especially in American society, Western society, it's like, you know, success, be the first, you know, step on others to be the first and all that. Well, it's obviously not working very well. If we change that veil and how we look at things or how can I move my life to impact people in the world in a better way and take our consciousness that everything we do affects others and all life forms. If we live like that and that's our compass, it will take care of everything naturally. Yeah, yeah I've been really following Iceland, Scotland, um, New Zealand um, with, with the way that they're looking at life and measuring success right now. And it's mm -hmm. not it's not quarterly profits. It's not GDP. It's about happiness and well-being of the people that live there. And it's inspiring, but it's a smaller model than the United States. So it, um, you know, might be a little bit easier to implement. The United States is, you know, I always think of us as babies. You know, we're only 200 years old and I think um, still learning a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, it's time to step on the gas pedal yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and use this time where we have more downtime for introspection. Mm -hmm. And again, what can we do? You know, and everybody has different skills, different access to different things, networks and all that. And okay, I'm going to be creative. What can I do to make a difference for myself, my family, my friends and the greater world? 
you know, and focus on that. May that be your compass. And as soon as you start doing that, it's like doors open. Oh, this happened. I could do this. And, you know, and now, you know, this plant is flowering and attracting bees. And look, there's, you know, worms and, you know, little bugs in the soil. And the street looks happier. And I'm breathing better. I feel better. Even in the smoke, my plants are taking care of me. You know, it's just like, it just starts, life begets life, you know, and when we take care of things and each other, it just snowballs. Yeah. So let's bring it around to food. So one thing that you do for people is you bring good, healthy food to them. And how, how did you get started? Like, what was your first place that you opened? Was it in Marin? Yeah, it was in Marin. It was in Fairfax. Um, it was called Love and Life. There's a little hole in the wall and um, a friend of mine had a smoothie shop there and I had to actually, I used to sell ethnic art and jewelry. I had a little store around the corner and I'd always go in there. We became friends and he was selling it. And people always told me, because I was always making food for people and new things. I was really into raw foods and I was fasting a lot and studying the effects of food on the body and the mind and I went through fasting I discovered how you know it really affects our well-being in the way that we think it's not just a physical thing uh, and I think it's also a spiritual thing because as we're freer and feel better our we can be more connected to life and spirit itself and that you know if you look at you know saints and um uh, you know, Jesus and Buddhas and all the yogis and they all fasted, you know, yeah. they would go in the hills, they would fast and be with nature alone. So quiet time, being in nature away from everything and uh, being away from food because then you disconnect, your stomach's always working on food. When you stop that, it starts cleansing itself and then energetic spiritual channels start opening that's been my personal experience and i've read that in other people's experiences as well yeah so so i was always making food oh you gotta you know open a place da, 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 make this available for people and then so took it to heart this opportunity happened had this little place for a year and a half did not know what i was doing with business <laughs> and you know learned a lot and then it took me to another place I did food delivery then I moved to back to Hawaii and then uh, continued making food I had built a reputation people were ordering dehydrated food so this is what I how the, I started actually well the first dry foods that I, I would do is I sprouted some wheat berries it was a traditional way of making a scene bread they were a group of people that were very connected in nature and life and very much into raw foods and so you sprout the, the wheat and then grind it and then put it to the angels of the air and the sun, put it on a rock in the sun. And so that was my first dehydrated food. It tasted really bad. <laughs> but in my first little shop, um, then I, it was like a little deli to go, but there was seating as well. It was really quaint and cute. I would make pâtés and pies and all that, but I wanted to turn them over fast. So I would take, let's say I took a pie, there was like two pieces left. I would take it, add a little flaxseed and stuff, and I would turn them into dry dehydrated cookies. And then let's say it was a pate 
of an almond, carrot, celery with some herbs and some seaweed or something. Then I would uh, put a little flaxseed and maybe some other things and I would turn it into crackers. So that was like, and then I had different bags of stuff on the counter and then I would have like actually, you know, like people like Roxanne before they started their-, their I was gonna uh, ask you if you knew her. Yeah, well, the, before they opened their uh, restaurant, they would come and and buy bags of my stuff. You know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so that started, and then I would make a lot of, I, I closed my shop and make a lot of dry foods, and orders would come in, and I'd go to Hawaii. My mom would send it through the mail for me and all that. You know, I was a single mom, and she just helped me so much. If it wasn't for my mom, I would have not been able to be so successful with my business, you know, the highs and lows. She's really had my back. So I really want to give kudos and grateful, you know, for my mom. <laughs> and what, what was the response when you first opened your, you know, the first time you opened your store? Like, were people, were people, you know, like craving some, that sort of food? Or was it like a learning curve for some people? Well, I mean, you know, this was before vegan, before raw, before everything. So, you know, I was, I was always be ahead of my time in all these different facets, but I help, you know, create a trail for others and for it, you know, like at some point, so it was difficult, you know, and it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't in mainstream yet, so it took time. Uh, you know, and when I had my restaurant, my other restaurants in Fairfax, if I would have had that today, it would have been a huge hit, but I was ahead of my time again, you know. Um, so, but for a while, like there, any event, any festival, little, I was there. I had different crews, we'd go there and, you know, and my motto was like to turn people on. And when I had, so my first restaurant was all raw. Then my other restaurants were cooked in raw because I wanted to touch people, you know? Yeah. And, and then it took a long time to figure out people, like I'd hear people walk by, oh, that's a raw food restaurant. I'm like, no, I have cooked foods too. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for people to realize that I also did cooked foods. I wanted to make it more accessible and touch people to more where they were at, you know, kind of create a bridge. And um, and that felt good. And all of the recipes that you, are these just all recipes that you came up with personally or were you had tried things from other people and sort of tweaked them a little bit? Well, the reality is, what is just our idea? You know, we bounce off of each other. You know, I might've run across a book or saw something at a store or saw something on the web or, um, a friend of mine made something or some stuff, you know, we, we bounce off of each other a lot. You know, when I want to create something new, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do guys. And, you know, I want to put this and this in it. Let's start with this and they'll add their two cents. And then, you know, we just kind of compile and we'll taste things together. So it's a group effort. So yes, I've had, uh, you know, a lot of things of my own, but we're, we're, uh, 
yeah, we bounce off of life itself, you know. Right. One thing, though, I did, this is an interesting story, and it's kind of woo-woo for some people, but I went and did, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't have, know. have you met my mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, things are a lot more than meets the eye in general, and you know, it says that we only use 10, 15% of our brain. So we, we don't have access to our capacity and see so many things that are out there. So I, I went and did a vision quest in Mexico. A vision quest is like go out there in the middle of nowhere with no food and no water. And it's a time of just like um, introspection. Mushrooms? Huh? Mushrooms or? Um... No, nothing. No. Just nothing. nothing. No, no water, no food, no connection with people. Just like in in this area, they uh, just a small area that you stay in. And um, so I, when I uh, came out of it, I I had a whole like uh, download on how to make a, a, a raw cheesecake. I have never even eaten regular cheesecake in my life, and uh, because I. So I came to France and then changed my diet. And so I've not eaten a lot of American traditional food and some things I don't even know what they are. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. But so I had a whole download. And then when I got back to my kitchen in California, I started making it and then like four or five tries, I had it down, the, the perfect cheesecake. I won two awards for it. People go nuts for it. They say it's better than a regular cheesecake. It's creamy and all that. So. You know, that was a directly a direct download, but was it me? I don't think so, you know? Right. <laughs> now, that's one thing I haven't had. I'm going to have to oh, uh, yeah. try the cheesecake. Yeah, so, so what's in it? Um, it's got um, cashews, coconut oil, but my trick is I put apples in it because apples have pectin. Mm. A lot of raw desserts tend to be a lot of fat and nuts. Mm. And I always try to stay away from that, include other things, because it's hard to digest. It might taste great. You've got fat and sugar, ooh, yum, and chocolate and berries or whatever. Satisfying, and, yeah. But you walk away afterwards like, oh, my stomach, I just ate a lump of fat, you know? Right. So apples help digestion, the pectin in it. You know, it actually takes radioactivity out of your body and heavy metals. I don't know if you know that. It also has... Um, uh, it builds your microbiome. It builds your gut, your natural flora in your gut. So apples is a good way to recalibrate and, in, and include in your diet. I guess that's why they say an apple a day. Yeah, I know. It's a great food. And it has a nice crunch, you know, if you don't blend it and all that. So it has apples in it. And then um, a little agave, not a whole lot. And then I make different flavors. I make, you know, blueberry, raspberry, chocolate, so depending on what it's going And then a crust or no yeah, crust? I have a, yeah, I have an almond, walnut, date, coconut crust with mm. vanilla. Wow. Yum. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, super yum. <laughs> and one of my favorites is the coconut yogurt. Sandra yeah. and I, you know, at one point we had on our podcast Miyoko, um, who has yes. uh, Miyoko's Creamery, and she, so... Um, I sort of took a challenge to to be vegan for a month, and oh. <laughs> and my mom brought me some of the coconut yogurt, which was a, a godsend because it was something that was it was satiating, you know, it, it creamy and you could put fruit in it, and um, and what, so what is in that besides coconut? It's coconut agar agar because I, that's a natural thickener, mm -hmm. and um, and then some culture 
And that's it. I have a plain and one with agave. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And most of your things come in glass jars, right? Or at least a lot of things that I've seen have come in glass jars. And then my mom always comes and then she takes them back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, recycling is great and glass is great. Well, yes and no, because how much fossil fuel does it take to haul the glass jar to a factory, melt it down, the amount of heat, and then, and then it has to be taken to factories to make, melt it again for jars, and then I have to buy it in fossil fuel to bring it. So that's a big cycle. So when people, so I charge a deposit on the, the jars to encourage people to bring them back. They bring them back, we sanitize them, we scrape the labels. It's a lot of work, mm -hmm. but you know, it feels so good and we sanitize them and reuse them. And people really, um, you know, feel good about that too. You know, it's, it's a close circle. So I have that for jars and then I use compostable, uh, biodegradable uh, PLA, which is made from non-GMO corn. So there are problems with the compostable containers. They're not as sturdy for one, so it's a problem for somebody like me that's trying to get it out of stores. Yeah. However, we work with it. And then um, that's for the refrigerated line. And then, you know, it takes a specific composting facility for it to process. You can't just throw it in your compost. So there are very few of those facilities. Most of it, you know, ends up in landfills. However, it takes a lot less fossil fuels to make. It's more ecological and it will biodegrade <clears throat> in time much faster than plastics and such. So it's, it's a step and that's why I use that. And then for my, my dry goods, that's like, uh, that's really hard for me. My dry goods, I use plastic because there's problem with oxygen barrier bags. They haven't come up with something that's a good oxygen barrier. And my products, because they're dry, they are really sensitive to moisture. So I have to use plastic and that's definitely uh, a problem for me. Where do you source all of your seasonings from? Like uh, your Ayurvedic things and uh, is there a certain... My herbs and such? Yeah, you know? yeah. So I have a, a couple companies uh, that I use, Mount, uh, Mountain Rose Herbs, a company out of Oregon, and they're really high quality and, um, and Star West for my herbs. And uh, so I use a lot of distributors that they've done the work of sourcing you know and then i also buy some things direct like from sri lanka by the pallet mm. and straight from by the pallet yeah wow so, so <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute where do you so where do you put it when you bring it over here well i have a cold storage place outside my kitchen my kitchen i mean my store looks very small my store is very small yeah but I have a very big kitchen in the back that you can't you don't realize there okay. so uh and then I have a, an extra storage place. Um, and I'm dying to ask because I saw this on your website, but I've never used it before. Quinoa flakes. Yes. So it's like uh, rolled oats. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's like quinoa flakes. So you could, so quinoa is an alkaline grain. Uh, so what does that mean? We, uh, it's, we're ch uh, uh, chemistry, right? We're like a soup of chemistry. <laughs> and um, our bodies need to be more alkaline. 
So our diet really should be more like 80% or so alkaline and 20% acidic. Mm -hmm. However, most of what the American diet is, is acidic. Grains, beans, meat, dairy, coffee, all that is acidic. Now, if, when you sprout seeds, you can turn them alkaline. When you soak them in water, it starts the whole life process. Uh, most fruit and vegetables are all alkaline. Um, there, you can look up um, acid alkaline charts and like print it and put it on your refrigerator. I always tell people that it's really helpful and to guide you, you know, and to balance your body out. So quinoa, millet, um, amaranth, those are alkaline grains. So it helps with your pH. Mm-hmm. And um, oats are actually a very acidic grain. Really? Yeah, and they're also very mucus forming. And so there's things called like a mucusless diet. It's because bacteria disease really grows in like uh, obstructions of mucus, uh, clogged lymph, um, sugar, and then you create a whole like alcohol environment and bacteria to grow in that. Um, so the lymph is actually very important and it's not talked about. We talk about, you know, our veins, our blood flow and all that, but on the surface right underneath our skin is our lymph system. And it actually only moves through movement. We do have little nodules, like little pumps, like uh, the crease of our, our legs and our armpits. And there, so it's through movement when you move your arms and your legs and it just pumps the, the system and it takes nutrients to the cell, but it also takes the waste from the cell. So it's like a, a movement of all these channels and you can stimulate all that. Also, will I, I um, recommend dry brushing. There's a health guide on my website. Mm-hmm. It's very easy read and it's little tips you can incorporate in your daily life. Mm-hmm. Not big, huge changes, but that, you know, I believe in baby steps. It's like, again, what can you do? But skin brushing is really great. It stimulates your lymph. It opens your pore. It, it, it removes dead skin from the uh, surface. And you do that dry and then you take a shower. Wait, and what do you use to do the dry brushing? It, there's a, it's a, a coarser kind of brush, a, a dry skin brush. Um, I, uh, you can look that up, you know, buy it anywhere, dry, dry brushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and you scrub it towards your heart. You start from your extremities and towards your heart. Mm. Wow. So the lymph is very important. So when your lymph is clogged, so it's imagine a river, right? And then it has a bunch of soil and sediment that washed down from a rain or whatever, and it's hard, having a hard time moving. So imagine that in your body. Same with your, your blood will get thicker too because your lymph is affecting your blood. And so it becomes your body is your water content is 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 moving slower and then your heart is pumping harder and then your arteries get blocked from you know crappy oils and uh, too much meat fats and all this stuff and then so your body is not circulating well so the lymph the blood lighter foods green watery foods watery fruit mm-hmm. you know sprouting and soaking your seeds so they're higher water contact and they're actually um i know i'm going all over the place but oh, that's fabulous <laughs> so so nuts and seeds and grains and all that and legumes they're dormant when they're dry 
It's like they have an enzyme inhibitor, which is actually toxic, which is preventing them to grow. Well, that's great for preserving them in that, but it's not good to eat. So when you soak them in water, it activates the whole life process. Water is life, starts growing. It'll actually grow tiny little sprouts. Like if you put an almond and then in water and the next day you peel the skin, you'll see like a little shoot or sunflower seeds and all that. And same with beans, mung beans, you know, and all that. So it's important to soak it first and then you rinse off the water which releases those tannic acids. Like in nuts, you can really see the brown and um, the enzyme inhibitor. And then you use it. You can eat it like that. You can cook it, whatever. So that's really important. Now, having lived in Hawaii, I was very familiar with jackfruit, you know, in oh, I love the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but we, I, when I was, we never knew what to do with it. I think the, you know, the locals, of course, had their own thing. But as, as you know, a person from the the mainland coming over there, you just saw this incredible fruit, and you weren't exactly sure what the heck you were supposed to do with it. And then when my mom started bringing over the dried jackfruit, I did a little investigating, and I I don't know if this is true, so I wanted to ask you. I read that it you could literally live off of jackfruit, like it's the world's I perfect have. food that <laughs> that you could like you could eat that and nothing else, and you would survive. Yeah, it's an amazing fruit, and also uh, it has different stages. So you can uh, uh, eat it more green and collect the fiber and um, and cook it. You like uh, that's where the pulled pork kind of thing comes. That's some like I like a, a, a fruit ripe. I love the fresh fruit. And then the seeds are quite large. They're like a, uh, maybe kind of like a Brazil nut, different shape, but that size, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you can um, cook it. And it's a mixture between like a potato and like a hazelnut, let's say. It's delicious yeah. little uh, like olive oil and salt and pepper. And it's just delicious. Yeah. Yeah, we actually have jackfruit. We have a barbecued jackfruit sandwich on the menu at the hotel. Okay, and really? I, yeah, well, we wanted something vegan. And so that was um, one of the things that the chef came up with. And I was super curious. So I tried it a few weeks ago and it was delicious. So I have jackfruit at the house and barbecue sauce. So anytime I can make um, barbecued jackfruit and just put it on a, on a nice soft roll or something, it's delicious. What does it taste like? Well, it, it, it tastes like the sauce because you're, you have it in the sauce, but it's fairly neutral and, you know, yeah. when you're cooking it like that, that it's, you know, it takes on the flavor of the barbecue. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, tofu, it absorbs the flavors. Yeah. So you can add whatever you want to it. I've put yeah. it in stir fries. I've put it in curry. It's really nice in curry. Yeah. Okay, now I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally butcher the name of this, but my... My mom got my daughter hooked on these itchy, itchies. There's these, I don't know if it's a seed or a bean oh, or a nut. Sacha inchi. Sacha inchi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? I don't even know what that is. I had never seen it before. She brought it over and I, and she just kind of put them out and Abby was doing schoolwork and she just started popping them in her mouth. And so then we all started eating them, but I had never seen one before in my life. Yeah, so they're called the like uh, the peanut of South America. They they grow on the on um, on a vine, and um, whoa, there's really high protein 
and have tons of nutrients. And uh, they have a nice crunch, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, people love them. Yeah. And what I, what's great about them is, you know, if you put down like some salted roasted cashews or something, people would just like pop them, pop them, pop them. You could almost go through an entire can or a jar or whatever. But these, you probably, you know, after you eat like six or seven or eight, you don't really want to like just keep, they're, they're, ful they're, fill they're fulfilling. They're filling. Yeah. 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 They're yeah. very filling. And yeah, it's probably good that you don't eat the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Highly condensed food. Yeah, you know, there's amazing food coming out of the, the Amazon and superfoods and such. And and with that said, you know, it's like um, I want to remind people that, you know, we also have a lot of superfoods here, like even kale and parsley and oregano. Like oregano tea, I know it sounds weird, but if you mm. make an oregano tea, especially for from a fresh oregano, it actually doesn't mm -hmm. taste bad. Mm. And if you add bentonite clay, I know adding another weirdness to it. We use that in the winemaking process sometimes for filtering. Yeah. yeah, so bentonite clay will pull 40 times its own weight in toxins and yeah. heavy metals. Heavy metals are very hard to get out of the body. So I used to actually serve this drink in wine glasses in my restaurant as a drink, uh, oregano, bentonite, clay drink. And um, it, it was very refreshing. And with that oregano and then bentonite, and it, oregano is super antibacterial, antiviral. It's, um, it's super, uh, yeah, it's known as a, a, like, a, like a natural antibiotic. So right. you mix that as like, killing funky stuff and the the clay pulling stuff out of your body it's a great combo especially you know with the smoke there's a lot of smoke smoke in the air we're indoors a lot you know it's a nice thing you could do at home if you can't get fresh oregano you can just get some dry oregano fresh is always better and you don't need a lot of it and i always tell people you know like to taste things you you don't want something that's too strong where your body kind of cringes you want your body to welcome it so it's just like absorbing things gently, like, oh, okay, I can feel this. You know, it might push the envelope a little bit, but it's not like, oh, I got to drink this medicine, you know? Right, right. Now, tell me, do you drink cold water? I don't. I, I, unless it's out of a stream or a natural spring or something. Right. It actually, re, it, it shuts. Now, if it's super hot, you know, I might drink a little cold water or something like that. Mm. But it actually, uh, it constructs contracts your body and your liver and such so it's like and drinking ice water and eating your food is probably one of the worst things you can do. oh my god okay wait you're gonna have to explain this to people because sandra this is funny my mom don't ask her if she wants something to drink while she's eating she doesn't she doesn't yeah. drink anything while she's eating and i'm always i always have water and that's something that we're sort of raised yeah. doing is always having a beverage with your mm -hmm. food so tell tell us why that's not a good thing. Okay, so a beverage, water is, so you're hydrated, okay? And a food is nutrients, okay? So those are two different things. So you wanna make sure you're hydrated. So, you know, I'll say, you know, at, at least give 15 minutes to half an hour of water, 15 minutes is fine, because it passes too fast between your meals. So you want to be really hydrated. Sometimes we actually eat more because we're looking for 
the water content and food we're not drinking enough. That is a, a common thing. I, I haven't looked lately in the, later, uh, the last statistics, but I know at one point over 65 people of elders ending up in an emergency room or they were dehydrated. People don't drink enough water, you know, or they might drink a beer or a soda or uh, even carbonated water. Uh, you know, it doesn't hydrate the same way. And some carbonation actually leaches calcium out of your bones. Wow. So, um, and coffee, if you drink one cup of coffee, you need to drink two cups of water to balance your hydration. It dries your body out. Okay, so that's hydration. If you mix your food with liquid, so you, the food is concentrated, and you, you shouldn't eat just like dry stuff, like dry nuts, my, my dry crackers or something like that. You need to have some moisture with it. Like I tell people, if you're going to eat my crackers, make sure you're like well hydrated or drink something with that because it has no moisture. Mm. Or I like to break them up and put them in my soup, my green soup. That's mm. my favorite. So, um, so the food has an ideal, has enough liquid in it. And then you're eating that and it doesn't dilute the digestive enzymes. And the nutrients are also gets diluted and it doesn't get uh, properly digested because you need that concentrated enzymes to break it down properly. Now, is that the same reason that they say, you know, what I'm hearing now when, you know, people like to drink smoothies. Um, but I've heard that when you do that, you're sort of breaking down the fruit, especially. And it, when you eat fruit raw, that you have the enzymes in your mouth that are reacting with the food and then it's prop it's getting properly broken down in your stomach. But then when you're pureeing it, puree the heck out of it, then it's not having the same effect. It's just going directly down into your, into your mm -hmm. stomach. Yeah. That's an important point. So I always tell people chew your smoothie. Right. Because you can kind of, you know, it's not like chewing, chewing, but it, there, that's the first place of digestion starts in your mouth. So yes. And often like, we're drinking smoothies too fast and I do it myself, you know, and imagine like, you know, you just put like one banana, two apples, tons of blueberries, a whole bunch of liquid and all this and orange, orange, whatever you put and you're drinking this. It's a huge amount of food and it's just, and also you don't feel the fullness because it takes a while when you chew and you're eating slower, you have time. Ideally you should, we should chew our food slower. Don't eat in front of the computer, guys. Take a break. Be with your food. It's, a, it's like sacrament. You know, when we're, yeah. eating, we're eating something from the earth that grew and the sun and the water, like, let's take time to honor that food. You know, that's why pe some people pray before the food and giving thanks and slowing down and really giving thanks for we're being nourished, you know, by this. So then taking the time, chewing the food, and then we have time to feel, oh, I'm full. And ideally, we should really stop eating like before we're full. Sometimes, oh, so good. I want seconds. Like, you know what? I'm good. And then it takes a moment to adjust, but I really want that, you know. But then we're going to digest better. We're going to feel better because often we overload our body. I do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it's like our pumps, you know, all these mechanisms are working too hard trying to deal with the overload as opposed to enough good high powered fuels like a car, like a sink, you put too much stuff in the sink, it gets clogged up and all this, you know? So um, 
high powered healthy food, taking your time, slowing down. And when we drink a smoothie, we don't have the time. The body doesn't have to, time to say, oh, I'm full because it's already in there. And you're like, oh, I just like right. consume this huge amount of food and nutrients. So it's not like don't do smoothies, but like maybe sip them slower, you know, just slow down with it and, and see your smoothies. Um, my mom just texted me and she wants to know, is it too late to give you money for feeding firemen? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm still feeding firemen and um, sometimes I have extra and I'm also taking it to women's shelters or homeless shelters. Uh, awesome. Sometimes the firefighters are getting so much support. So I, I, I don't know, like I am checking with somebody that's running up there on a weekly basis. So um, I don't know exactly if they'll go to the firemen, but we are making food for the firemen, yes. That's awesome. What, what do you find, Cassandra and I have done this before. Was it 2017 or was it 18? It was 2017, I think, mm -hmm. where, where we were, um, you know, the restaurants were closed. So we were, we were basically just making food and, and sending it to the, to the uh, mm -hmm. first responders. And we found that the best thing that we could do for them was we were, you know, all these um, local restaurants were just giving us food and we were coming up with ways to, to package it, to get it out there. And we found that burritos for the firemen were the greatest thing because we could wrap it up inside of uh, foil and they could put it in their pocket and they could go two, three hours, eat half of it and put it back in their pocket. What do you find is the, what, or what do they enjoy the most you think that you're sending them? Well, I'm making these power balls and Keith Giusto, uh, Giusto Bakery, uh, and they they supply a lot of ingredients for local restaurants and such. Um, yeah. yeah, they're really nice people. They donated a bunch of seeds and raisins, and, and then I added my own super greens, and so I've been making these uh, cacao superfood balls, seed balls, because they're on the field and they don't have food. They can put it in their pocket and they can just like have some highly nutritious food. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been concentrating on with that. And then, you know, they come in these big tents and eat uh, food. So we've been sending like Cuban beans or like a vegetable stew or things like that, you know, like vegetables. So they get more, they might get like a lot of heavy food, but also they need their vegetables. And some people have been bringing things from their garden. So I've been making like nice fresh um, that's awesome yeah nice <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure do you have one chocolate oh <laughs> what kind of chocolate uh well i make my own chocolates but uh any cacao stuff i like making cacao drinks or uh, mm -hmm. i do love our chocolate chip cookies made with zucchinis and brown rice flour oh my god they're so oh. The chocolate cheesecake. Uh, I have all sorts of chocolate stuff. Mm -hmm. I make a raw power shake that's my favorite with coconut milk and blueberries and figs and um, superfoods. And often that's like my breakfast. I just love it. It's nice and thick and filling and a lot of nutrients in it. Yeah. That was one thing my mom used to do when we were a kid is she'd make zucchini bread and to get us to eat it, she would just, at the time, probably it was carob chips. She would throw some carob chips in there. So we thought it was, it was closer to dessert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Carob is actually a great food. It, um, I sell a carob and carob pods. They're like a long bean. They grow on trees. And in the Middle East during the drought and famine, those trees saved a lot of people because they're super nutritious. They're also a great like 
traveling food because they're these long pods, they're dry. You can stick them in their pocket, your pocket, you know, they're easy to clean off and you can just kind of suck and chew on them. They're very tasty. And I know it's kind of like a forgotten food, but I think it's really important to plant carob trees. Mm -hmm. Do you have some of those in Hawaii? No, I don't. I have some, um, I have some seeds there. I don't know if it's the right climate because we get a lot of rain. It's more of a dry temperate. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, is your daughter vegetarian? Yes. Is she? Okay. She's never eaten meat in her life. Wow. She's 29. Wow, that's I awesome. I saw her last night, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> She's yeah. not just, she wasn't ever the least bit curious just to try something. Was it, yeah, was it ethical or was it um, just a taste thing? Well, she's never tasted it. So, I mean, people have actually offered her as much as $1,000 to eat it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, pushing and like teasing her and daring her. She's had it to her mouth before, but she couldn't do it. Um, we've had conversations before because we've, you know, like I look as animals as friends. Mm -hmm. And it's like when I started, it's like, I realized, well, I couldn't kill this animal to eat. And so I looked at it, well, I don't want somebody else doing that for me. It's kind of like having somebody do your dirty work, you know? And I was just like, well, I, that doesn't feel good to me. And then I started looking at diet and that you don't really need to eat meat and all this. I've been, you know, I've been vegetarian, vegan for 40 years now. And, um, have plenty of energy and you know there's a lot of olympic athletes and such now and mm -hmm. having bodybuilders the strongest man in the world is vegan wow yes but i don't know what else he might be using <laughs> <laughs> i'm i've seen this guy it looks like he might i don't know he's a what, lot of pizza. How, how do you get proteins into your system um Okay. Uh, well, let me finish my first question. Uh, that, sorry, okay. I went off on the back bandwagon. It's easy to do. But uh, we would talk about how, you know, like animals are friends and we just, uh, we don't look as animals as food. It's just not part of like how we look like, you know, we just don't look at them as food. It's more like a friend, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so then it's just not part of our world. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in that way. Yeah. So proteins, um, you know, the whole protein push and I'm going to say indoctrination Ooh. was put out by the meat and, uh, and dairy industry back in the day. They put all those, they, they paid for the posters, put them in schools and all that on how much protein and all that that you needed. Or was it the triangle? No, the food, was, the food pyramid is that. That was a. I think it was a different chart at that point, but that's how okay. it started. And they actually did a test on rats on the 1940s on how much protein you needed. We are made very different than rats, but they use that as a basis. Ooh. So now it's changed. The pyramid has changed. It's more fruit and vegetables and all that through time. Um, but you know, it, then it was the indoctrination protein, 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 and, you know, even to be a bodybuilder, you know, eat your meat. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a vegan, you know, and he, he totally bought into it. And it's like, you don't need that much protein. There's actually protein in all foods, uh, even fruit. And some 
protein is more bioavailable than others. We actually can't digest a lot of the meat proteins. Mm -hmm. So you could eat a bunch of protein, but then it's not bioavailable. And I eat very little protein. Uh, in Hawaii, I mostly eat on uh, fruit. You know, I live mm -hmm. on fruit and such. I have more energy than the 20-year-olds that, you know, yeah. uh, work with me. <laughs> right. I work, you know, I work with trees outdoors and I ride a bicycle everywhere. So, it, you know, it's really, um, and there's a lot of data that you could pull up. They did a China study actually on some reason, the, it's called a China study um, that was done through Cornell, uh, Joseph Campbell, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it, there's extensive research on protein and whole uh, groups of people through time, uh, you know, eating vegetable source protein and how much protein you need. And so it, it's more like, you know, we've been brainwashed. And then people turning vegetarian, oh, I got to get protein. So like tofu right. and pea protein and buying these, you know, protein supplements and you really don't need all that. Yeah. Well, and everybody's bodies are different too, which is something to say that you need this or you need that. People react differently, just like some people are allergic to peanuts and some people aren't. There's just Absolutely. things that are different for every, for every um, body. Yeah. And we have to experiment on ourselves, you know, find out what works. And the best way to do that is omit things from our diet right. and then incorporate things like really like clean the deck and then, you know, eat things for a while and add something and, and see how your body reacts. And then you could, right. you know. So what's the, what's the longest you've fasted before? I was uh, 20, uh, 28 days. I can't even imagine what that's oh, like. Oh my God. It, it wasn't just water. I did a 10 day water fast, uh -huh. uh, but I did some water. I would do wheatgrass and some citrus juice alternating. Wow. And how did you feel like? Oh my God. I felt the most amazing ever. And my <laughs> hearing, I mean, people call me like a coyote, my hearing, my eyesight, um, you know, uh, felt more connected. I was in nature. I was just felt more connected. I would like to settle energies. Um, there's actually an, a, like, um, it's kind of like lights and like little, like if you can imagine like fairies floating and little lights, mm -hmm. like I could see that all the time. You could see then sometimes I can tap into it and see that I was just hypersensitive. Mm -hmm. um, but I had tons of energy. I was like, you go high and low. Sometimes you hit bottom, like you're detoxing some heavy stuff out of your system. Mm -hmm. And then you get a boost of energy and like I was using picks and it was like in the <laughs> desert and, and you know, like I was like hiking miles in the desert being out there I was mining crystals and um, yeah. Wow. I get the feeling you that you have never been overweight. <laughs> uh, I, no, I have been. I, really? I, uh, you know, an extra like 20 pounds or something because like, like not that long ago because too much in the office you know, not enough exercise, uh, sedentary, like I've always been strong, but like not, you know, and I do festivals and load and unload a lot of things, but then I would be in my booth serving food, like, and it was just like, you know, small motions of like turning this and that and standing a lot on your feet. So yeah, uh, you know, if we don't take care of ourselves, you can eat the best foods, but it, and overeating, I've often over 
aid in my life through um, stress has been like a comfort, which it is for a lot of people. And, and I've really looked at that. And I think, what is food? It's like the gift from the mother, right? It's connected to mother earth. And I think we sometimes lack that connection mm -hmm. and we're seeking that. And food is a way, you know, like our, our mother, you know, being breastfed or not, you know, but like that was, we were fed and nurtured in that way. And then nice meals, you know, there might be memories with food. And so it's a very emotional, sensitive mm -hmm. Thing uh, food is emotional, and sometimes if we don't have our emotional balance met, or we're going through our times, it's the thing that we go to. Um, so I think you know it's really looking at that of what foods we can use, you know, that aren't aren't going to harm us because it might taste great in the moment, then we have to pay for it, or learning to stop that process and not having that extra helping, and drinking more instead of eating. Like sometimes, like drinking have a nice bottle you know uh, like a not plastic you know a glass bottle copper bottle a nice vessel um that you know that you drink from really helps out to yeah. to eat less than we right. eat. most of us overeat especially in the western society you know, I do. yes <laughs> now if people want to are you doing meditation workshops are you doing festivals when you say that what do you that people can come see you and hear you talk well uh covid's changed a lot of things so i've been doing festivals for over 20 years all over the west coast up to oregon and i have literally fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people in a makeshift booth <laughs> and um it's been a big achievement and all that but you know this year was the first time i haven't done it in 20 years and honestly it was a good break for me because uh running my business doing festivals being on the road turning around answering phone calls emails and very mm -hmm. it was very hard on me and um so I'm actually changing my life and I'm going to make an announcement here, you know, that I'm looking to sell my kitchen and my Whoa. and uh, closing my brand. And now the reality is my kitchen might not sell and I be, might be doing this for another 10 years and it could also sell <laughs> and I could be open for another three months. I don't know. I don't have. What like, about your staff? So I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I will give them notice. That's a deal, like part of the deal. Somebody's, in fact, there's somebody interested in the kitchen now, but I said, they asked me how soon could be out of here. I said, well, it depends if you are taking all my staff or not. Because but would they want to buy it? No, they're, no, they don't have the capacity and I'd have to be involved. Yeah. I don't want to be involved and, you know, like, that I, I won't sell my brand. My brand is my connect direct relationship with people. You know, it's, it's not like selling a hot dog or something. It's, right. it, it, you know, it's taking care of people with cancer, with, you know, allergies. It's been a very intimate, emotional relationship. Some people I've met people, I, some people haven't, but they know me through my food. And so, um, but what I am going to do is give ample notice to my customers and my staff. Uh, if the change happens, I'll put a slip in the packaging. I'll announce it. And I'm putting out these cookbooks and I will help people online to make these foods. I'll give all my recipes away so that people can make food in their homes. I'll have less packaging, plastic packaging. Yay. 
right? Yeah. And you can, you know, I'll give you a base of knowledge with this recipe and maybe you, you like it more spicy or maybe you love almonds or you don't like almonds. Mm -hmm. So, and, and teaching people to make it to their own taste and experiment. And, and, uh, and that feels really good to me. So it's a new chapter in my life that I can, right. and I'm taking care of trees and empowering people to make, especially mm -hmm. we're more at home now, to make food more at home and have less of a, a negative impact, you know, and a more positive impact. So. Wow, I have to tell my mom this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And wow. it was really hard to make that decision for, you know, it's been my life journey, you know, for 25 years. So it's part of me. It's that relationship with my customers and dedication of serving the best food that I could to them mm -hmm. and my staff, you know. Uh, so it was a, it took me a long time to get to that point. But I totally get it. Yeah. Feels right. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to take care of the farms and the trees that make the food and the gardens and mm -hmm. help people make, you know, like just talking about the mulch and empowering you yeah. to take care of your soil. Mm -hmm. You know, it helps on a deeper, the food chain, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. which is critical. Lydia, have you ever thought about just maybe doing once a week, doing a video of how to make something that you could put out there for people? I have. I'm really camera shy. I'm actually a very shy person. People think that I've been out, you know, and it's been uh, like hard for me to get to that point. My daughter's been saying that to me for years, like, mom, make yeah. your life easier. Do this and all that. And so I will. It's going to push me to do that because I want to make my knowledge. I have a lot of knowledge and I yeah. have a lot of tips and tricks to make things easy in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast, easy ways, you know, you're, or you're not a cook or this and that, and to incorporate like raw and cooked foods, you know, not just one way. Mm -hmm. You like heavier things, so how can we do that? Or your kids don't like greens, okay, how can we slip that in? You know, so I want to help people in that way, so I want to make myself more accessible. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So now while you're still open, people can go yes. to Lydia'sFoods.com. Are you able to ship a lot of your items around the country too? Uh, yeah, we ship nationwide. We ship nationwide to health food stores and we have an e-commerce website. And we, I have hundreds of items on my website, like unusual things that are hard to get. Everything's organic or well-crafted. So not just my products, um, but a lot of like, you know, um, rice fl a flour or the quinoa flakes or, you know, carob pods, you know, things that you just can't find everywhere. My yeah. bulk collection, even in my store, that you can go, although my store is tiny, is better than most large health food stores. Right. And again, all organic. All right. So if you live in the, when you're hearing this podcast, if you live in the area, go to Petaluma, go to Lydia's Foods. Um, things have changed a little bit because people aren't allowed to go in the store, I believe. Yeah. No, we're allowing one person at a time. Okay. Okay, because I know. Out there, you, yeah, for one, at one point, you could would just call in your order. Yeah. Uh, and you can still do that if you're not comfortable. You can call in your order. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, uh, we have, um, uh, like, information on what we have on the website. You can call and we can help you with the link. And then we can tell you if we have that, this or that. So you can order on the phone, pay on the phone, and we'll just, you come and say that you're there, we just hand you your box, if that's what you're more comfortable with. Or if you wanna come in the store and browse one customer at a time, we have sanitizer outside, we re 
require a mask. And um, yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. It was nice to get to know you. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I hear my mom talk about you all the time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And, yeah. you know, if people want to reach out with questions or support, we're really here to support your health and well-being. You know, you uh, you can send me an email. Uh, you can you call the store. You know, we really want you to be well and healthy. So. Well, mahalo for your kokua. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. If you want to check out some of our past episodes, you can go to the radiomisfits.com backslash the bike goes on. You can also just go directly right to our website, the bike goes on.com. You've got lots of resources there and you can see um, all of the past shows and pictures of some of our guests. We've been, we've been on a roll. I think Sandra of some really good guests lately. We're, we're almost at a hundred. Wow. Nice. Yeah, nice. we're almost 100 episodes. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah, thank you for doing what you're doing. And Lydia, best, best of luck to you and your yeah. future endeavors and your, and your new life. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank, thank you. you. All right, take care. All right, thank you, listeners. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.